This is Paul Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Weekdays at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. At Gallant Says on Twitter. Text into the show at 710-710. Hello and welcome aboard the Paul Gallant Show on Friday. Friday, gotta get down on Friday, July 23rd of 2021. I'm Paul Gallant and this is the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle, one you can jump aboard by texting in 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line or tweeting me at Gallant says, lot of stuff to discuss today. Lots of it. Surprising Friday in July, huh? We got a baseball team with a new nickname. We got conference realignment taking place potentially in college football. We also have a Mariners game to react to and a Mariners series that is really important that will continue tonight. It'll be the biggest start of the season for Yusei Kikuchi. More on that later, and they've got to do something about Rafael Montero. But I want to start with this. Yesterday, everyone was freaking out about the NFL and the announcement that the league decided to make very clear to the rest of the league, essentially that if a COVID outbreak happens, that there's the potential that games could be forfeit. Mike Garofolo of the NFL Network elaborated on it on television saying that there's the potential that if there's a COVID outbreak among unvaccinated players, the game would get canceled and both teams maybe wouldn't get paid. If the game's not played, it's not just the team that that caused the outbreak. Both teams would not be paid their paragraph five salary, their base salary, that installment uh, for that game. So even if it's the team, I mean, you remember teams were upset last year. Hey, it's their problem and we're rescheduling this game and we're moving this game around and it's in- inconveniencing us. Yeah. Well, on top of that, you're not going to get paid right. if it's the other team that creates the mess. So this would be one player potentially hurting two teams based off of this logic. One player who causes an outbreak could result in all sorts of players, 100-plus, not getting paid. More on that in a moment. There's more saber-rattling coming from the NFL. Mike Garofalo said that, yeah, you can move games around. You could potentially do what was done last year, have games on Tuesdays, on Wednesdays. They can be moved, but if it's not moved to another game during that week, it's going to be forfeit. These games could be moved now. Uh, That's in the memo as well. Like, you could have a Thursday game moved to a Tuesday or whatever. Remember, we had that last year as well as they tried to keep it within the week that these games were going to be played. But once you get outside of that, the long and short of this is that the NFL in this memo uh, is stating that they are intending to play the entire uh, regular season over 18 weeks. And there will not be a 19th week. So if you get outside of that week... And, hey, we couldn't make it work and we couldn't reschedule it. That game is forfeited. Rattle that saber, NFL. They are essentially, in my opinion, flopping a pool noodle. This is all for show. This is exactly what it was last year. The league canceled zero games last season during a pre-vaccine pandemic. Zero. And they were doing all sorts of tantric stuff just to make every single game happen. Tuesdays, Wednesdays. They're trying to get us to believe that they wouldn't do the exact same thing this year instead of actually having the stones to cancel games and light money on fire. To their credit, they have pulled off a convincing con job of everybody today and yesterday. 
Because now all of a sudden you're seeing all sorts of players who are maybe on the bottom rung of the totem pole that are saying, you know what, shoot, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that it's really likely that a game's actually going to be canceled or that there would be a forfeit, but I don't want to risk that, so I'm going to get vaccinated. And this sort of goes to show you that at the bottom levels of the NFL, the players who are scrapping by and just trying to survive in the league week to week, they are not going to take any chances, at least most of these guys, even if they have some reservations. Take Seahawks cornerback DJ Reed, who is an established player now but wasn't all too long ago. I didn't want to get the vaccine, he tweeted out yesterday. We don't know the long-term effects. If you have the vaccine, you can still catch COVID. The NFL and NFL Players Association made getting the vaccine a competitive advantage, though. I just got my vaccine because I don't want to hinder my team. I don't know how I feel about it. We saw DeAndre Hopkins say, well, never thought I would say this, but being put in a position to hurt my team because I don't want to partake in the vaccine is making me question my future in the NFL. And you're seeing the Buffalo Bills locker room and tearing itself apart. Cole Beasley and guard John Feliciano have their takes. Jerry Hughes, defensive lineman, and Stephon Diggs, wide receiver, are pushing back. Those conversations, I think, are going to create a peer pressure situation where the NFL ultimately wins. They are going to get a lot of players to, I think, decide to get the vaccine even if they have reservations about it. But I think it's funny, if these players really think long and hard about it, the NFL, they are not one to burn money. There were zero games canceled last year, and you had a game where some poor wide receiver had the really mean task of playing wide receiver, or excuse me, of playing quarterback in Denver, right? I mean, we saw that last season. That poor guy, like he's in the NFL Hall of Fame now. (laughs) or at least I think his glove or the football that he used or something like that. So there's a lot of collective freaking out going on by it uh, about this. And I got to give the NFL credit because this saber rattling, even though I don't think it really means a whole lot, I think it's a whole lot of hot air. It's posturing. It's all about the optics. It's doing a good job of getting players to fall in line, but they're not going to cancel a game. There's not going to be any forfeits. You think they're going to think they're going to want to give people their money back. If a game gets canceled, hell no, (laughs) they're going to make that game happen. I'm Paul Galan. It's the Paul Galan Show. You can listen 710 ESPN Seattle on your 710 app. Your smart speaker, 710sports.com slash video. You can watch it. The Seattle Mariners have a Rafael Montero problem. We got to stop seeing this guy. Yesterday was not the worst of the performances that he's put together, and he did get defended by Scott Service after the game. Here's Scott Service. I was doing some digging, man. You know, before you were a football star, you were on the Brandon First United Methodist Church basket. Okay, so that's Chris Long, and, and that's Chris Long on the uh, um, Sorry. Um, Going Long podcast. Something happened with the labeling on that. I've got the actual cut that you all want. Good, all good, all good. We we roll with the punches here. Rafi hasn't been uh, as sharp here uh, in quite some time, and, you know, part of it is, is just, you know, this guy has, you know, he leads off the inning, gets into a deep count, a little number. Um, that, you know, JP tries a short, you know, come get it starts off the inning and then, you know, soft it after that. And you look up, the bases are loaded. So, uh, again, you can't pitch the same guys every night. You know, they all have to pitch in your bullpen. Uh, it was money needed to pitch. Uh, that was a spot for him. We're down in the ball game. Um, really thought it was a, you know, bottom of the order, hopefully get him through it. And then, you know, it gives a chance to get back in it and pick up another run, but you know, it's tough to win a game and score one run. Um, you got to give those guys credit. They threw the ball really good against us tonight. The offense was the biggest culprit last night, no doubt about it. They struck out 13 times. That said, Rafael Montero being put in that spot, what did you think was going to happen? You know, And while service says, all right, it's the bottom of the order, 
you, you think he's going to have a good chance there. <laughs> well, he didn't do well. So there's a certain point where you got to say that you're too good for this. If you're the Seattle Mariners, you're too good for Rafael Montero, period. And I feel for him. You know, I, it, it stinks to see a player continue to struggle and being put in these spots, and you're expecting things to have a different outcome. But this is the definition of insanity, still putting him in there in those spots. So I think the Mariners need to do something about Rafael Montero. That was an important game last night. And while it wasn't a tr- terrible loss, you know, it's not like they got blown out or anything like that. That inning from Rafael Montero was just enough of a difference to, to entirely change, I think, the outlook of things for the Mariners after they got that Tom Murphy home run. One last thing to dive into, and this is going to be today's question of the show. Do you think Yusei Kikuchi is going to return to all-star form tonight? I think this is his most important start of the year. We all were feeling really good about what he delivered in the first half of the season, no doubt. But right before the end of the first half of the season, he went up against the New York Yankees. And he struggled. And I remembered seeing it. And, you know, I'm not, I am no baseball expert. I will fully admit that. And I think a lot of you are like, yeah, we know, Paul. We already knew. You dumb, dumb. But I remember in that game against the New York Yankees right before the All-Star break where just the second at-bat of the game, Yusei Kikuchi was seemingly scared to throw the foot, to throw the baseball in the strike zone anywhere near Aaron Judge. And look, Aaron Judge, he's a really good hitter, but if you're Yusei Kikuchi, you have to have more confidence in yourself in that spot. And Ryan Roland-Smith, who pitched in the majors, he saw some of the same things, confirming my very inexact scientific theory. He started pitching away from contact, and that is just a straight red flag that, not a physical thing, but psychologically, something's off just a little bit. The last start, that first inning, comes out of the gates. He's 95, 96 right away, and, and, and competing. like I'm talking throwing the pitch down the middle to compete against guys who are extremely aggressive, the, the Angels lineup. And then all of a sudden, he couldn't command that fastball, and then that slider he had some feel for the slider. So all of a sudden, he gets really slider-heavy. And then he goes into that mode where he's pitching away from contact. We saw that a couple of years ago. That's not his, that's not his, his avenue of success whatsoever. He's got to be more willing to take risks. No risk it, no biscuit. And he, as a guy who has shown some filthy stuff this season, has to trust that stuff. And this is a big game tonight. This is going to determine... Tonight's game, Saturday night's game, Sunday's game, those games are going to determine just how realistic of a shot that the Mariners have to make it to the playoffs because they will have an impact on what they do at the trade deadline, much like the series against the Astros will after the fact. And I think you need to take three or four against Oakland if you want to keep yourself seriously in contention right now. And you have the ability to do it. I don't think Oakland has that much of a leg up on you. But the way that you win, if you're the Mariners, is when you get good starts. You got a decent start from Chris Flexen last night, but it was a more of a realistic start given what Chris Flexen has been this year, which I think has been playing well over his head. Kikuchi, Logan Gilbert, the next two nights, those are your best two pitchers. Gilbert's been on a roll. Kikuchi hasn't, and this is a massive start for him tonight. So is he going to turn it around? That's my question of the day for you, but everything's on the table. 710-710 on the Mac and Jacks Brewing Company text line. You can tweet me at Galan says 206-421-3776. Your chance to be heard in about five minutes or so. But right now, it's time for What's Trending, brought to you by Kings Heating and Air with more Duel. And also, this hour of the Paul Galan Show is brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. I'm stepping all over myself. Good morning, afternoon, Moradouli. How are you now? <laughs> I'm good. It's Friday. It's okay. 
your minds on the weekend already? Do you get mad when I say Friday, Friday, got to get down on Friday? Because I'm quoting a Rebecca Black song that is infamous for being as bad as it was, but it's just been stuck in my head all this time. And it brings me joy, even though I know it's objectively a bad song. You know, I'm not going to lie. You and Danny always say that, and I really didn't know where it came from. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Partying, partying, yeah! And then there's this part in the rat in the song where there's this random dude driving down the middle of a city like 150 miles per hour. He's like some random just... I really don't think I know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. Just look up the Rebecca Black music video Friday. <laughs> it's so bad. It's like, it, it, it's so bad. And as someone who appreciates, you know, things ironically like Creed and Nicolas Cage movies, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a guilty pleasure of mine. All right. Well, now I know where it came from. I thought you guys just made up this catchy no, little... No, no. No, maybe Danny doesn't even know where that's from. Because honestly, you guys know music way better than I do. I just know this one terrible song, and I like to get it stuck in everyone else's head. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see if you think this is catchy. The baseball team in Cleveland will now be known as the Guardians. <laughs> oh my God. They made a a formal announcement today in a video featuring the Black Keys and Tom Hanks. And now it's time (laughs) to unite as one family, one community, to build the next era for this team and this city, to keep watch and guard what makes this game the greatest, to come together and welcome all who want to join us. We are loyal and proud and resilient. We protect what we've earned and always defend it. Together we stand with all who understand what it means to be born and built from the land. Oh my God. Because this is the city we love and the game we believe in. And together we are all Cleveland Guardians. Okay, so first off, Tom Hanks, you can't say we. I mean, I know you won some award for acting in Cleveland in 1978, but that's your only tie to Cleveland. At least the Black Keys are from Akron. So you can't say we. Second, I'm just trying to imagine how this came together. Did somebody, as a texture brought up, send Tom Hanks a cameo and just wrote out this really <laughs> generic script, like with all the platitudes that you would love to hear? We stand for something. We like stand line, together. For those who understand what it means to be born and live from the land. <laughs> you guys all farmers? What does that even mean? Well, the land is what some people call Cleveland, know, but you're but right. Live from the land? We live off the land. We guard the land. We are here for the land. And together, <laughs> we will be what needs to be on the diamond for you and us. I mean, we've, we've seen some of these announcements lately with the Kraken, and I thought that was actually really cool. I agree. This is... No, it's else. not good. The nickname isn't good. Look, the Cleveland Spiders was the way to go. That's a historic nickname. But they chose to go this way. Eventually, I suppose people will accept this nickname, but eh, I don't like it. I don't like the logo. They could have done better than this instead of ripping off an XFL team that actually pulled off the, the, no, the, the name Guardians and Logo Guardians a lot better than Cleveland did. All right. Well, if you thought that we were done talking hockey drafts this week, you are wrong. The actual full NHL draft, not just the expansion draft, takes place tonight. Uh, the Kraken have the second pick, and John Buchagross joined Jake and Stacy yesterday to talk about who he thinks they have in mind. Oops. I'm having all kinds of... Uh, 
on audio trouble here, guys. Okay. The Kraken, they're probably going to draft Matty Beniers, number two overall. He's played at Michigan last year, will likely go back to Michigan this year. He's a full-grown man, comes from an athletic, uh, high-achieving family. Cornell, the whole thing, good grades. Uh, he had a weight room in his basement during the pandemic, so he got to work out. Um, just a really impressive kid. I, you know, a lot of times bosses will hire people who remind them of themselves. And I think Ronnie Francis is going to look at Matty Beneers and says, he reminds me of myself. I play both ways. I'm good at everything that I do. Not great in anything, but good at everything. And he's going to be the pick, I think, and just the perfect guy to, for the Kraken's first pick. Whoever it ends up being, you're not going to see this guy for a couple of years. NHL's minor leagues are a lot like baseball's minor leagues. It takes some time for these guys to get seasoned and ready to actually come up to the show. So he might be the guy you'll find out tonight. I wanted Owen Power just because of his name. Yes. But he's a defenseman. and um, They have so many defensemen right yeah. now. Yeah. Bucci Cross's recommendation is a center, and they could they are shallow there. So Definitely. that would be a great pick if he's still there for them. Absolutely. That is more Dooley with What's Trending, brought to you by King's Eating and Air every single morning at 10.15. I'm Paul Gallant. It's 206-421-3776 to call in on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle, 710 710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. This text just needs to be addressed because it's great. <laughs> because I talked about, you know, things that I appreciate, ironically. People that appreciate things that are bad, listen to this show. You're darn right. You're <laughs> darn right. All right, guys, it's time to hear from you. It's your chance to be heard. Your voice, your opinions. It's time to be heard. Every day at 1015 with Paul Gallant. Be Heard. Text in 710-710. Paul, is it Mike Greenberg that's causing these technical issues today? I can't say, but you know what? When in doubt, we're just going to do that going forward. By the way, no one actually texted that in. I'm just making an accusation and giving myself plausible deniability. Oh, wait. I just explained away the plausible deniability. Happy Friday, everybody. Is Yusei Kikuchi going to be able to turn it around tonight? 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. You can also... Give us a solution for what you're supposed to do with Rafael Montero. Other than get rid of him, I don't really know what else you could go to on that front. We did talk about the NFL and their saber-rattling earlier. I don't think it's really going to be all that different than last year, though it's definitely working and it's getting players to, I think, react and act. 7-10, 7-10. Lots of responses about the Guardians nickname. Polly the Indians will always be the tribe to me. The tribe that's a that's a solid nickname I think. But I guess I can't speak for any Native Americans out there who might be upset with the nickname. I don't like this one. I'll I'll, I'll just leave it at that. The big problem that I think Cleveland had wasn't the nickname as much as it was the old logo that they had. The old logo was ridiculous. The nickname, to each their own, and, and if there is somebody out there that's listening right now and, and, and you don't like it, I, I can totally see why. But it was more the logo that I thought was the problem, and they got rid of the logo. But now they're going a little bit further. And Guardians, yeah, someone brought up the logo looks a lot like the 1990s California Angels logo. Yeah, I definitely get some vibes uh, from that one. Um, another text in, 710-710. 
The Hope Bridge in Cleveland includes the Guardian of Traffic. Yeah, that's been something that's been put in there. It's not good when you have to explain the team nickname. It's not good when you have to explain the logo. It's not good when you have to explain a joke. Do you want, if you're a Cleveland Indians fan that's now a Cleveland Guardians fan, do you want every single time that someone's asking you about your team to be like, well, it's actually like there's this bridge and there's, there's a guardian on the bridge. And, and you, you know, like that's annoying. That takes too long. And look, baseball is not a sport where there's a lot of thought that goes into the team nicknames. That's for sure. I mean, Red Sox, White Sox. White Sox is such a lame nickname. Wow, the most boring bland of uh, brand of socks. I said bland because yes, white socks. Wow, what a nickname, you know. And you could go with, I guess, like one of those little birds that can so easily be eaten by cats, just swiped out of the blue jay, oriole, cardinal, tiny little like peacock birds. Ooh, look at me! I've got all these pretty colors. Well, you can get eaten by a cat fairly easily. I mean, it's not like we have great nicknames across baseball, but Guardians is not a very good one. Seven ten, seven ten. This is probably why the Washington football team is taking their time with the name. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. I feel like the Washington Hogs would be good. I know some people are probably going to, you know, make jokes with that. But that was what they were called, the Hogs, back in the 80s. Like, there's a little historical context there. I think that works. Works with their color scheme, you know? 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. Should have been the Cleveland. You can't say that. I can't say that. I almost said it. It involved a, an, an engine that was used to revolutionize uh, the United States of America during the Industrial Revolution. You know, how steam engines uh, and uh, locomotives, you know, made travel so much easier. Yeah, I can't say that. I almost did there, though. 710710. Uh, Paul, no one here cares about what you think about the Cleveland nickname is, and poor NFL players have to get a shot to protect the team. I hope the ones that are saying not to play or retire do it. You're too selfish, so hit the road. What a bunch of grown men, babies, bleeps, whatever to call them. I understand how some people are so passionate about it, and I know that we've had a couple of people that listen, and you've had significant others, family members that have passed away due to COVID-19. And, and if, if that has happened, like I totally understand why you would be angry at some of these guys. And my big thing is, look, if you want to play, just do it. You know, it just makes it easier. You're going to make yourself available. Do you want to be the guy who is being like Cole Beasley and, and, and saying all these things publicly? Like, oh, yeah, well, I don't want to do it. Honestly, these are thoughts that you keep to yourself, Right. I guess freedom of speech does exist in this country, but if you're going to keep on going on like this, well, what happens if you do test positive? You're not going to give yourself any plausible deniability as to why it happened, right? And I think that with as public as he's been, I can understand maybe some of those reservations about it. But at the same time, if your job is to play football and be there every single week, this does give you theoretically the best chance to be there every single week. That said, there is an 80% right now vaccination rate as far as one vaccine across the NFL. So I, I don't think the idea of an outbreak with serious, serious bodies counts as far as guys not being available is going to happen. And I feel like the NFL is basically just trying to make sure that the guys at the lower end of the stick are going to get that vaccine and feel scared into doing it. And take that how you want. I'm Paul Gallant. It's the Paul Gallant Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. 710-710 is the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. Dave Wyman's going to join me, as he does every single Friday. And we're going to ask him about team nicknames, because having been a Stanford Cardinal, I think he's got some thoughts, especially on pine tree mascots. We'll talk about that next. It's 1030. 
and that means it's time to get in the sports pit. In the pit where all that stuff goes down, and if you don't have some freaking toughness, you're gonna get your you're gonna you're gonna fail. With Paul Gallant. Is the Paul Gallant show worse than Rebecca's Black Song Friday? Many texters are wondering. Anywho, my favorite word. Welcome him in to the sports pit. The one, the only, Dave Wyman of Wyman and Bob. Dave, what's going on, buddy? Not much. How are you doing, Paul? I cannot complain. I'm curious as to what you think as someone who went to a school that changed its nickname from the Indians to Cardinal, if I'm not mistaken, about the Cleveland yeah. Indians going from the Indians to the Guardians. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'll tell you, it, I got there, and you know, I remember, I think it was my sophomore year, there were some old alums that were passing out these stickers, which was the old logo for the Stanford Indians. And, and I remember the uh, the athletic direct, director, Andy Geiger, coming down and saying, hey, take those off, take those off. And he came in the locker room because I think <laughs> what we used to do at Stanford, there we would get dressed at this locker room, and then we'd do what was called the walk. And it was like a probably a 250, 300-yard walk through this corridor where everybody was tailgating and stuff. And we would, you know, all march through there. And uh, that's where, you know, some of the older guys were handing out that the sticker. And so and I can't remember if I put mine on or not. I was probably concentrating on the game. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, the, the athletic director came in and made sure everybody took them off. I think some of the older guys, you know, were putting them on at that time. But, yeah, and then, you know, uh, there was a push for a long time because outside of the, the training um, area, there were these two gargoyles that were, you know, like on this big um, brick mount or whatever, um, outside of, you know, kind of facing the street, and they were pretty cool looking. And there was a group of people that wanted it to be the Stanford Gargoyles, but, you know, uh, intellectual, heady school like that, you know, they're never <laughs> going to allow something like a gargoyle. So we ended up being the uh, the Cardinal. But, yeah, and then the dancing tree. And, you know, <laughs> and I, I have my issues, you know, with the band and the, the mascot. They just... They always thought they were cute. They always thought that they were the show. Um, they did some funny things. I like some of the stuff that they played, like some of their, they used to play this song called White Punks on Dope. And then, what? you know, people would chant it from the crowd and then they would chant it. And it was kind of a cool song, actually. And they're, and all right now, you know, every time we scored a touchdown was, was really good. But for the most part, they always tried to kind of make a mockery of the whole thing. And, you know, we're the show and, you know, our football team's not very good, but we don't care. You know, it's just, yeah. They wrote a letter to, um, I think the Oklahoma, um, college newspaper about how there's no chance we're going to come out there and win, but we will be entertaining and we'll be there. And all this. What? It was just, yeah, it was one of the reasons why I was always kind of, didn't care for the band. It feels like there are many reasons, and I don't want to bring up the, the sore memory, but, I mean, that one, uh, more than anything, it should be a reason that those guys should never talk again, ever. Like, if you're even a descendant of one of those people, you should be in hiding, because that was that was awful. And, wow, I didn't well, know that there were more transgressions that the Stanford band committed. Yeah, here's one of my proudest moments at uh, at Stanford. I was asked, they have a big bonfire before the big game. Um, my senior year, when uh, I was one of the guys to light the bonfire, and when they announced me, 
the entire band booed on <laughs> 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 the paper about them. So, uh, yeah. But, you know, no, I know people who were in the band, and it's just fine. It was just kind of a, now it's kind of funny, but at the time, I, I was pretty intense back then, and I, I, didn't, I didn't care for them. I wouldn't care for them either. Uh, Dave, we're seeing a lot of saber-rattling by the NFL to get every single player to fall in line and get vaccinated so that there's no chance of any games that would get canceled this coming season. Though, the the way that they, they set everything up, I have a hard time buying that they would actually have forfeitures this season. This league cares so much about money. They'll bend over backwards yeah. to make a game happen. They're not going to take money back from season ticket holders or, or give money back to season ticket holders or something like that for a canceled game. Uh, they're 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 right now I think trying to intimidate some players that are probably when it comes to just knowing if they're going to be on the team week to week aren't 100% sure and it does seem like that strategy is effective given that DJ Reed who seems like he has some reservations about it still went and got vaccinated yeah well I, I agree with you um, first of all you know look it'll be safer this year than it was last year because we do have you know the vaccines so and every game went off, it, not necessarily as scheduled, but they played every game last year. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's a push to get um, get things going. I predicted this on our show yesterday when we were talking to Clayton. I think that the, that the vaccination rates are going to drop once you cut down to your 53-man roster. Because mm. if you're, uh, you know, a third stringer or a free agent or whatever, I mean, you're going to fall in line. You're going to make sure. And I just heard... Rob Ninkovich uh, saying the same thing, that if you have two players that are, you know, equal, you're going to keep the guy that's vaccinated over the guy who isn't. So, but, you know, some of the guys that like DeAndre Hopkins and, you know, and I, I don't want to say anybody on, on the Seahawks team, but I mean, if you're making a, a good amount of money and, you know, you have reservations because it's an experimental phase and you don't want to do it, then, you know, I feel like, you know, those guys have more sway. They hold more right. sway so that they can, you know, they can make their choice. Whereas the guys that are, you know, third string, fourth string, you, you put yourself in a bad position if you don't. So I feel like, yeah, once that 53-man roster gets set, you might actually have a lower threshold. So, because it might be a yeah, lot of the sense. guys that are filling out the rest of the yeah 90-man roster that those guys are all falling in line, certainly. So, We'll see what happens, but I think I think you're right. I mean, it's going to be if you just follow the money. I mean, they're right. they're going to make sure they find a way to get these games off. And like I said, they did it last year, and you know, so I feel like they could they could get it done this year too. That is Dave so Wyman, we'll uh, Wyman and Bob coming up this afternoon at two o'clock. Dave, thank you so much, man. Have a great weekend. Okay, you too, Paul. Thank you. That is Dave Wyman, everybody. Wyman and Bob every single day right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Text in 710-710, Mac and Tax Free and Company. Text line, Rebecca Black knows more about sports than Paul. You do have to get down on Friday. And the Mariners, they got to make sure that they are ready for Friday, specifically one Yusei Kikuchi. Is he going to be able to get it done today? That's the question of today's show. Yes or no? Is he going to bounce back? Are we going to see the same Kikuchi that we saw earlier? Plus, so many topics on the table, including... Possible college realignment. Maybe the Pac-12 needs to start looking about poaching some of these teams from the Big 12 because Texas and Oklahoma look poised to leave. That and more next right here, 710 ESPN Seattle. 
You're listening to Paul Gallant. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Every day at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. I want to stick with this Cleveland Indians nickname change for just a little bit because Maura Dooley behind the glass brought up a great point during the break. There's been a lot of Cleveland splaining to us, akin to mansplaining, about how, well, you guys don't know that there's this bridge and there's these two guys on it and they're on a pillar and they look like guardians. But you had a great point, Maura. Share it with the class, please. Oh, well, just when I looked up an image of it, it looks like there's this stone carving of a tough-looking guy, and I don't understand why you wouldn't use use that or use some semblance of that exactly it's for the, your logo as opposed to this G with these wings. Uh, I don't understand where wings come in. I don't understand where the G comes in. Like The, the, the logo itself, and yes, we are aesthetically... Uh, it's a tough-looking guy. You could have done something cool with that. Exactly. I, I, I'm with you. I mean, it's a, it's a stone statue. It's this like big, yoked... Uh, Roman-looking fella. Okay, I guess on the side of the statue, there is something that looks a little bit like wings. But still, you, nah. you could have done them, you could have done them th- to look like they're out of stone, like that, right. instead of these weird, like, frilly ones that they have. You could have found a way to make a logo that actually involves this, as opposed to having the first letter of your team nickname with wings on it. It looks like a ball's being doctored. Suspend them 10 games. 710-710, Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. Oh, my goodness. We got some real Mariners fans out here today some real ones first off paul get off the indians nickname and back to services inexplicable continued use of montero you and the others have to start talking service and depoto taking service and depoto to task i do not understand why they are continuing to put rafael montero in games it is not helping them in any way shape or form and yet it continues to happen What's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and again and expecting different results? This time, I mean, Service yesterday said that they put him into a low-leverage situation thinking, all right, he might be able to get through it. Maybe he builds some confidence out of it. And yet that doesn't work either. So, okay, what are you trying to do here? What's the point of putting him in this game? It's a close game. You have a pretty good feeling that when you put him in, it's going to at the very least be a roller coaster ride because... Hasn't haven't even his clean innings being up and down. If you're a good baseball team, you should have better options than this. And I get there's a lot of injuries, and that maybe there aren't anybody in the minor leagues that you can bring up that would be better. But there's got to be someone, right? Another text again. We got some real some real ones out there. Paul, stop making excuses for this Mariners team. I mean, I was the one who was taking issue with Danny calling them a good team yesterday. Scott Service always gets outmanaged by good teams. Think of it. Who has Seattle beat? (laughs) This team is not going anywhere. Well, they beat some good teams over the course of the last month. They beat the Rays. They beat the White Sox. Swept the Rays. Right. Thank you very much for clarifying that, Mora. You took two or three from the Blue Jays? I mean, look, point granted in that we have yet to see them really go do do impressive things against the league's best San Diego they didn't look so good they did split that early series with the Dodgers but the next time around against the Dodgers didn't look quite the same they had a nice early series win against the Astros they're going to play the Astros a whole lot more over the second half of the season of course after this weekend as well so okay yeah like that's a fair point I, I I would just say though some of the people that are getting so worked up about like the Mariners Let's let's add a little context here, okay? Like they are playing above their head right now. 
this game tonight is really important, and I hope, as that texter suggested, that Kikuchi pitches well until Montero comes in is not something that happens. But Kikuchi, this is, this is a big-time opportunity for him to bounce back. And he's got to, I think, pitch with a little bit more confidence. I don't know where that confidence went in a start right before the All-Star game against the New York Yankees. What happened there? I mean, why, why were you so afraid to throw the ball anywhere near the giant body strike zone of Aaron Judge? Why were you so hesitant there? Something's up. And I hope that whatever has happened over the last couple of starts that Kikuchi's been able to figure out what's been going on. But this is a big-time start for him tonight, and where maybe a month ago I would have complete confidence in him to get it done, right now I'm not sure. I'm not sure how it's going to go. It's not like the A's have the scariest offense in the world. It's not like they're going up against Houston or something like that. But this is going to be, I think, Kukuchi's biggest start of the season. 7-10-7-10 on the Mac and Jacks Brewing Company text line. You can also tweet me, at Gallant says, Paul, we are the best team at hoping for the future and messing up the present. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. <laughs> Get some pitching. My goodness, you guys are on one today. DFA, the son of a biscuit, writes another texter. Montero needs to go down to Tacoma or their nuts team in California. So beyond tired of him. Another, so the Mariners have an employee on the team that they can only use in low-level situations. Then he should be on the team. It's like having an office worker <laughs> that stinks. They shouldn't be there if they can't perform. Boy, Faye. Look, we're all in agreement here. If we're all saying the same thing, there's got to be some people in the Mariners organization that are saying the same thing. So I, I really do just wonder what the possible holdup could be here. <laughs> Text in. Paul, pretty ballsy to question the Guardian's nickname and uniform with your wardrobe. Another, you're taking casual Friday a little too far with that shirt. This is, uh, this is a text um, that is addressing the shirt that I'm wearing. The uh, llamas in the room. It's a bunch of llamas wearing sombreros. I think it looks very neat, very fashionable. Fetch, even on this Friday. My God, some of these people are, 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 are look at these people that are so mad at the Mariners right now. Look, don't overreact to one loss to the A's, okay? Don't overreact to it. But tonight's a big start for Yusei Kikuchi. Uh, another text. We're going to lose six to the next seven and we'll be sellers. Mariners will Mariner. There are some good texters that are coming in right now. What are you talking about? Seattle has played very well against playoff teams. Swept the best team in the American League in four games. There we go. There we go, people. That's the kind of positive vibes, the positive energy that we should have towards tonight's game. This is your payback for being so negative about the Kraken yesterday. People were mad about that, and now you're getting all the negative Nancys on you. Yeah, that's funny. But honestly, I'm right about the Kraken, and you guys know it. You guys are just way way too optimistic about it. Look, it's hockey. It's back. It's great. Wonderful. We don't have to go there. Finish what you were doing. Just saying it's your payback. (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Listen, the positive vibes go the M's way, right? I mean, they've been playing well this year. They deserve at the very least your love. Maybe not all of your respect at this point because there's still some things that they need to improve on. I would say specifically at the plate, uh, Brent Stecker of 710sports.com brought up some of the issues at the plate that we've seen from J.P. Crawford just over the last couple of weeks and Kyle Seeger too. They're not hitting the same way right now. They are a team that's going to be reliant specifically on their starting pitching, and that's why tonight's a really big one for Yusei Kikuchi. So 
all the positive vibes his way on this Friday. Friday, got to get down on Friday. And I hope that you enjoyed this weird, wacky Paul Galat show with Danny Galat earlier today. I had a lot of fun today. I'm not going to lie. This is, this is one of the more fun days I've had. What a weird day. I mean, shoot, Texas and Oklahoma are just ditching the Big 12. The Pac-12 is probably going to need to pick up some of the survivors of the Big 12. We had a team change its name, and it's an awful one. It's fantastic. I'm having fun. Anywho, you'll have a lot more fun with Jake and Stacy next. Big thanks to Dave Wyman who stopped by earlier. Big thanks to the texters, the tweeters, even the mean ones. You guys make me smile. And, of course, the one and only more Dooley behind the glass. So long. Farewell. Have, your, have yourselves a wonderful weekend. Seriously. And I'll talk to you next Monday.